everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fiking Media Network. Happy Monday to you all. It's a brand new week in WWE, and it's a busy week, to say the least, as we kick things off with a brand new show. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my right-hand man, my co-captain, my co-host, and the part-time advocate for one Von Wagner. I bring to you, as always, Scott Young. Welcome back, Scott. Thank you for having me, Keela. It's uh, always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you. I um, I am low-key very excited about this episode. I think <laughs> that um, there is there's going to be a, a nice added flavor to our mix. And uh, I'm very excited for, for the hot takes that are coming this episode. Hot mm-hmm. takes. Fresh off the pressers. Hot takes. They come in. Yes, this is the hot takes edition of The Wrap, giving you the hottest takes in WWE. And what better person to join us is someone that appeared on this show a couple of months ago. And I got to be honest, I think we broke him the last time he was here. He has sworn off WWE programming, but we reeled him in for this week. And we apologize in advance all the way from Australia, a member of the Feige Media family. I bring to you CJ Tappen. Welcome back, CJ we're sorry in advance for what you're going through regarding WWE programming. Uh, it's a thrill to be back. And I, I was broken by these shows. I'm slowly putting myself back together, but it's, I've kind of been like rebroken a little bit after this week, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go through the, uh, what, seven, six, five hours of WWE TV to do this show again. Cause it's always a joy. So thanks again. You're very welcome. And once again, we're sorry for you to be here to endure this. But the part of the pleasure I am. I'm so sorry. Hey, the way- you know what? I appreciate the fact that you're like, you know what? You're right. You should yes. be sorry about that. <laughs> yes. I apologize for offering the invitation. I knew that <laughs> CJ would say yes. And he knew what would happen. But we have kind of reconfigured the format of the show a bit. Instead of going through Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, which can be torturous most weeks, we've decided to really delve into the hottest topics surrounding all of those shows. And the top story this week is part-time. Roman Reigns, a story that kind of developed out of nowhere over the last week or so when he was basically saying, hey, y'all, what's up, Triton? I might not be here around these parts. I'm entering a new chapter in my life in WWE. And people are like, what do you mean by that? And then we get the scoop later on in the week, noting that Roman is a part part timer now. And he's got two of the most important prizes in WWE, the Universal and WWE Championship. And we are approaching a very busy season for WWE stadium season. We got three stadium shows in three months. We've got money in the bank in Las Vegas, SummerSlam in Nashville, and the big one, which would be the most attended show overseas possibly ever, would be the show Clash at the Castle going down in Cardiff Wells in September. So with all of this being said, Roman Reigns working not house shows so much, televisions, yes, pay-per-views, only the big ones, the big four, maybe the big five, but otherwise, he's going on break. So after we crowned him God at WrestleMania this past April, it's now time to wonder who's got next. I think that's been the key question on this show since its inception last fall. 
And I wanted us to brainstorm possibilities because we know deep down in our hearts, the two obvious picks is Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre. And that's cute. That's a sexy pick. But we want unpredictability. We want to go through the reign of Roman Reigns. And we want to go through the storylines and fees we've been a part of and wonder to ourselves, who else could be in line for these championships? Because we need people on or on SmackDown as champions of Roman is going to be winding down a full-time schedule in WWE. So Scott, the news is broken. Roman Reigns, part, part-timer now. He's got both belts. I assume that will not be the case heading into the fall. And he really doesn't need these belts heading into next year's WrestleMania if he's going to face the Rock in LA. So outside of Drew McIntyre and or Cody Rhodes, who are your two guys to be the champs on Raw and SmackDown moving forward? So I, I told you I had hot takes and I'm, I'm going to give you a hot take right off the bat. I think a, a great way to bring this story full circle, um, I would have Jay Uso beat Roman Reigns for the title. I, I just when I think of the story and the most emotional I have ever been in this story, it's when Jay Uso was involved and. I've been saying for a while that they should have been protecting Jey Uso. He should have been main event Jey Uso, and he should have been winning every singles match he was in. And Jimmy, who's been right there, should have been taking every loss. And if you do that, Jay's ready. And I still think you can build him up and have him ready because he's the guy who's always watching Roman. He's the guy who's always studying with Roman. He's the guy who's always with Roman. He's the guy who can get in Roman's head in a different way. And man, you want to talk about a real feel-good moment that plays into the story. Jay Uso versus Roman Reigns. You run that back one more time. I, I think there's something there. And it doesn't have, every every title win reign doesn't have to be this long, you know, year-long, you know, incredible thing like we just saw with Roman. Sometimes a baby face can just pull out a win out of nowhere and just have that big moment. And I think you can do that with a Jay Uso and you can transition to whoever you want to. But man, I just think that there's a moment right there that brings a story full circle and you create a legit main event guy, which you already created in Jey Uso. You had a main event guy ready and they didn't run with them. I just think there's something there. And then my next op, my next choice is an obvious, I think it's kind of an obvious one, is Seth Rollins. I think the crowd is is kind of ready to get behind him. I, I'm not a fan of him and Cody going three times in a row. This is this is WWE, WWE in it up. You know, they going WWE. And instead of them just keeping them apart right now, like let Cody have the two wins and move Seth on. They're going to do this third one. And I, I don't like that, but I think he would be the next logical choice. I would say Bobby Lashley, but I feel like he's about to lose to Omos. And what are they doing with there? That's happening. I, you know, it's it's either it's got to be between those two. Austin Theory's not ready yet, or he would have beat Cody if he was ready. And Cody shouldn't be taking no losses. So it's got to be one of those two: Bobby Lashley or, or or Seth Rollins. And I'm gonna take Seth Rollins between the two. So Scott has completely stolen my pick. Both of them, really. 
I had Jay and Seth. Those are my picks. Those were the spiciest options available that told the best stories in the last couple of years. And I'm totally in agreement. It could be Jay Uso. It should be Jay Uso, the guy that was got gaslit the most by his own cousin. Jimmy got gaslit too. And he was the one that came back saying, I'm nobody's bitch. And guess what? You became Roman's bitch about a month into your return. And look at where we are right now. Maybe Jay will see the light one day. Maybe he will say, I am. I'm going to be the new head of the table in your absence since you're going to be a part-time head of the table, a part-time oos, so to speak. So I'm totally in agreement with those picks. So CJ, as you've got your freshly minted Cody Rhodes tattoo firmly on your neck, you can't pick them for this particular option mm-hmm. here, but who are your two guys that you would say should be next in line to become the WWE and or universal champion? Okay. So while it's really hard to look past Joe Gacy, um, I actually read this question <laughs> wrong. Um, I read, I didn't realize it was other than Cody and McIntyre because I was just like, oh, Cody, easy. But you said that now and I had a quick think. I really like, like the Jey Uso winning the title is, it's a good take, like it's a really good temperature, you know, almost a boiling point. I really like that. Um, and it calls back to that storyline. But my... Um, I had Randy Orton as one mm. just because I watched Backlash. Like I only watch the pay-per-views now. And by the way, if you only watch the pay-per-views, decent product, but we'll get, we'll talk about that later. Randy Orton's hot tag in that um, six man tag match main event. He was so over and like, he just does his bonkers stuff in his hot tag. And I was like, man, maybe Randy and Roman, I think the match would be really good. And I think that, um, Randy's like super over as a baby face. I mean, I don't know if RK bro need to split before then, but I don't know. I really like that idea. And if we're not going with McIntyre or um, the roller coaster, I'd, I'd say Orton. I like Rollins, but I also, I want to go wild card and say um, Gunther, Gunther. Is it Gunther? Like mm, a soft TH a or bit. is it Gunther? Like I, I just want to call him Walter, but you know, I just, I think if, I, I do think if he was going to beat Roman, he'd have to just delete him though. Like it'd have to be like a, um, a, uh, a Lesnar and Cena at SummerSlam situation. But I might, yeah, my two besides Cody, who I'm, I cannot believe how much I love right now is Randy Orton and Gunther Walter. I hate saying Gunther, sorry. I like those picks as well. Randy is so over right now. I laughed out loud when he randomly said off the cuff, by the way, Roman, I'm taller than you. That had me cracking up on SmackDown. <laughs> Randy Orton, and we've professed love for this man every single week for the last month or so. He's the best. And he's on a roll right now. And I would not be opposed to seeing Roman versus Randy at a SummerSlam. Why not? Randy's over right now. Every time he comes out there, he is the most over guy in the building besides Roman Reigns. And that would be a money feud. And I just love their dynamic. And we'll get to SmackDown soon. But that's not a bad pick. And Gunther... I had probably feuding with Drew McIntyre post Clash at the Castle. There'd be a nice fall feud if Roman is not going to be on TV as much. So I like that pick as well. So I think ultimately it really comes down to life after Roman Reigns not being a full-time star in WWE. So CJ, what's your take on that, knowing that 
Roman, who has been the face of this company, really as a true blue heel being over for the first time in his career the last couple of years, getting paid to really work less dates. And now we're going to wonder what it's like when Roman is not all over these shows. I'm going to miss the entrances. I'm going to miss the pay-per-view appearances when they're not the big four or five now. Before I answer, I just want to I just want to say, imagine living in Trenton and Roman Reigns is basically saying, "I'm not coming back here anymore." Sorry, like this, I'm not, I can't, I don't care. Um, yeah, no, it's like I thought when I read it, I was like, "Oh man, he's getting the um the, the part time schedule." I was like, oh, "I feel soon," but then again, like if you can take it, get it, dude. Like this, you know, he doesn't owe us anything. Like if he can get more money and do less, like isn't that what we all want out of life? I think he should. I think it's good. It's just, it, it is concerning from a um, show quality standpoint, um, you know, because I think he's basically the best part week for week. And the whole thing with, um, with wise man, I don't know what he's going to do. I hope, I mean, Lord knows Ronda Rousey could use a manager, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I mean, look, I don't watch these shows anymore, but if I was watching them, I'd be kind of worried because generally the highlight is Roman Reigns. Um, but I think for him, it's good for sure. And um, yeah, it's just, it is kind of scary though, because we we just said Randy Orton super over, maybe as over as Roman, but Roman still kind of hits different. I think as a, as a, um, as a wrestler on this show. So it's kind of, they kind of need to get someone next up to be as big or bigger when yeah. Roman's not going to be there as much. And that's kind of what's concerning. So, I mean, Joe Gacy's right there. So what are we doing? But <laughs> No, we're not going to speak that into existence on this show. Joe Gacy will not be the next guy up to be the future champion head of the table of Druids and the of face you. of SmackDown. Listen, in this case, fuck exclusivity mm. or whatever that word is. Exclusivity, inclusion, peace, love, all that shit. Like Joe Gacy can kick rocks because no, just no. Keep him on NXT. No offense to him. Otherwise, I'm inclusive as fuck. Just not for him. But it is scary that this news kind of came out of nowhere that Roman's like, well, listen, y'all, I'm going on break. I see you on the other side. And good for him. The fact that WWE pulled up the Brinks truck and gave him a bag that is probably on Brock Lesnar levels of cash. Good for you. But it is concerning that WWE has built this entire company around Roman and this title reign, which is prolific. And I've always said on this show, who is going to be the one to benefit from this when it's all said and done? Who are you going to make from this reign? We'll find out soon enough. But Scott, when you heard the news that Roman's like, well, you know what? I've had a good run full time. Now I'm going to be part time. Maybe dip my toe in Hollywood, make that transition out of WWE in maybe two or three years. I think it's a little eerie knowing that John Cena did one movie in 2014, Trainwreck, and we have not seen him on a full time basis since. Well, I think we're we're seeing the I think we're seeing the beginnings of that next face in Cody Rhodes. Like I, they're they're clearly grooming Cody Rhodes to take that spot. Nobody, I, I think what CJ said about Roman just hitting different. I mean, that's spot on. Cody hits different too, but it, like it, it's different. And Roman 
is just he feels like he just feels like the main event. He feels like the attraction. He feels like what Cody felt like in AEW. Cody don't feel like that here right now. Doesn't mean he doesn't feel like a big deal, but he's certainly not that marquee like Roman is. But he's getting there. And I like I, I wasn't I'm not a fan of him facing Seth Rollins three times because he should beat Rollins if he's gonna face him three times. If they're gonna do the hell in a cell, he needs to beat Rollins. I don't like that. But that's how you establish a guy and make him your face of the brand. He shouldn't have been in the ring with Theory if you're going to do that. Like These are the things you don't do, and these are the things they didn't do with Roman, and that's kind of why guys can't get to that level. Like Roman's not in, Roman doesn't have DQ finishes during his matches. That's not what's going on. I think the only DQ finish he had was against Xavier Woods when Woods beat him. I, I think that's the only DQ finish he's had. And so... Like that's the difference between Roman and everybody else. There's care in his stories. There's care in what goes on in his finishes. You've got to take that same care with whoever you're doing. And you're you've already taken like you joke about Joe Gacy, but God dag, look at what they're doing to my man Braun Breaker. Look how they massacre my mm. boy. I, like they're they're it's not irreparable, but it's like, why are you doing this? You know, like you got you got the 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 pay per hour druids out there attacking Braun Breaker, and it, it's like, why are we doing that? You're not doing that with Roman, like, and that's what separates him. You're you're starting to do that with Cody. You already have a DQ finish with Austin Theory in a match that just did not need to happen. Like, why why are you putting that match out there? It makes no sense. You better stop putting Cody Rhodes on TV. You want him to feel special like Roman. You better stop putting him on Raw and have him have these 20-minute matches. That's not how you keep him special. That's why Roman's special. So if they want to make guys special, you have to give him that same care and treat him like a marquee guy. And you know what? Maybe it's time to start treating these women like your marquees. Bianca Belair is still right there, man. Like, Mm -hmm. what does she have to do? The crowd is completely with her. Like they're ready to celebrate her as the face of the company. Like you can hear people with her. Like just run with that, man. Like I don't know, man. You you have you have the options. The women are right there instead of Rhonda. There's other women right there. Just you just got to run with who you got, and they have the, they got the horses. They're just not riding them. I actually got to run now. Yeah, like they. Why don't we just have this shift where? Because this is a way they can kind of dunk on AEW and be like, look at who we've got on our women's side. Exactly. You know, and just like maybe we can go into this phase where it's um, Bianca, Becky, Rhea Ripley, Ronda, Charlotte, Bailey's coming back, Asuka's there. So like you've got all of this. Like why isn't this just the main event scene that has been, you know, populated by dudes since the beginning of time? Like why don't you kind of go in that direction as a sort of new phase of WWE because you can. Yes, absolutely. Co-signing all of that. And the fact that you got Bianca Belair at the Kentucky Derby doing press for WWE. She's at the upfronts for USA this week. And now Monday Night Raw has been classified as a sport for NBC Sports. Congrats to you. So when the money's due, you're a sport and you're not, (laughs) you're not not wrestling, but you're a sport now. You're not sports entertainment. You are a sport and it should be embraced. But if you got her doing press, she, she should definitely be a cornerstone 
in your company on Monday Night Raw if Rome is not going to be there. And let's break the barriers. If you're to all about the women's revolution, have your ladies front and center because they definitely have what it takes to drive story and to main event these shows, which is the most important thing of all. Let them be ticket draws. Let them be people that can pack the house if you just put them in positions to succeed. And that's basically where we are right now with Roman Reigns transitioning out of WWE full time. And it's on WWE to really get people ready. And all I can think about is Braun Breaker and how we have anointed him as the next guy up. But unfortunately, look what he's going through right now. He is going through trials and tribulations of Druids who have been released from their 10-day contracts. Now we're down to two Druids now working on NXT for Joe Gacy. And it's two, two Druids too many for me. So, you know, that's where we are right now. But we're going to save NXT for later as we transition to another travesty in WWE. Lacey Evans, who was reintroduced the Friday after WrestleMania. And I know Lacey Evans' story pretty well. I know about her background and the childhood. She came from an abusive father that was dealing with mental illness and addiction and running away from that situation. I've seen the stories on YouTube. It's a great story, harrowing story, true story. And then WWE replays it in five chapters on SmackDown. And it was a great story. But then... They started to get heavy handed with the story with Michael Cole regurgitating the recaps every single week. And it got obnoxious. I almost wanted to laugh because he was over the top with it. And the more I saw these promos backstage and how she had to prepare herself saying, here we go. Here it goes. Let's go. Let's get into it. Let's get at it. And it's a really sad, true story that a lot of people go through. They go through trauma. They go through addiction. They go through these hardships in life. They go through abuse. And you want to uplift people during these very trying times. And I wish that WWE treated the story like an SC feature on SportsCenter. You dive deep. You do a documentary style. That's how you tell the story as authentically as possible. And you try to use these WWE buzzwords to really grab our attention. But then we had a red flag last week on SmackDown when the ring announcer for SmackDown tells us that we need to stand up and show the proper respect to Lacey Evans. We're like, huh? Really? Stand up for the proper respect. She comes out there. She's smiling. She's high fiving. She's a face. And then we find out, well, she's not going to be on SmackDown now. She's going to be on Monday Night Raw as a heel. And they run an abridged version of this video package and Corey Graves on a live mic says Lacey Evans's story is sensational. So what you're saying is that you're sensationalizing her story for Hill effect, apparently. And that's never a good thing. So we are going to boo a American hero, a United States Marine, a mother, a sister, a wife, a fighter for our country, a hero. And we're going to say that she used her trauma for heel heat, that she deserves to be booed and condemned for our childhood trauma. We should hate someone who endured so much and overcame the odds to be a WWE superstar striving to be a champion in WWE. Five weeks of my life wasted on this story, all for Lacey Evans to be a heel. So CJ, your thoughts Mm -hmm. on Lacey Evans, the All-American Heel, debuting very soon to a Monday Night Raw near you. 
I'll be honest, when, when Michael Cole was going through this, the story as he did, I was, I was really feeling like, oh man, like, so this is a Wendy's like what's going on. Um, I, I, I don't understand it at all. Like it's, it's a very real story as far as, you know, I don't think any of this is being, um, I don't think there's any artistic license, if you will, to try and make it more, I guess, like what more, more, um, appealing for, you know, not Hollywood, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's, it's crazy that, uh, Lacey Evans could be such a great role model for young people. I mean, we we're just talking about this off, off air and they're going to kind of somehow twist it into her being a heel. It's just, I don't understand that at all. Like you couldn't make up a crazier story to try and make the fans cheer a baby face. And we all know the struggle of WWE pushing a real baby face like Cody Rhodes, who is like an anomaly right now. And you've got Lacey Evans. Like it's such a layup for her to be a baby face, but we're just, I, I don't get it. Like how, how, how does anyone hear that story and think, Oh, what an asshole, you know, it's, it doesn't compute at all. I, um, this is, this is why I quit is stuff like this. I don't get it. And it's, it hurts my brain to be honest with you. So, yeah, it's very, very rough. And Scott was championing championing Lacey Evans on Twitter. He was all in on this story, all in on this baby face turn for Lacey Evans until the switch up happened last week on SmackDown. And I kind of sensed something was happening as to how Michael Cole was regurgitating the story leading up to chapters four and five. And I just think it's so weird of WWE to just really explore her story for heel effect. It's a strange flex to do when you talk about a true story of suicide and mental illness and addiction and trauma and abuse. And you think that is going to get someone booed. I just think it's so out of pocket. And I think it would have been a way to really reach out to people going through stuff and to reach out to organizations that help with suicide prevention that help with addiction that helps with domestic violence and for WWE to fumble the ball like this to make Lacey Evans who can be a very likable person into a heel for reasons I don't understand is absolutely mind-boggling and this is a case of WWE lacking class and tact when it comes to handling stories like these Scott. Yeah, I um I was uh, I was all in on this. You know, Keela had her doubts. You know, she's uh Keela's much smarter than I am, so I uh I was sold hook, line, and sinker, even when she brought the crocodile tears. We were talking about this all in it off air before we got started and you know, I was man, I was all in. I was I was like and I think I even said it on air, this is this is top babyface material right here. And I I genuinely still believe that that was top babyface material right there. Like you hear like the you could tell you could hear a genuine reaction when she started telling her story and you know, I and then WWE going WWE and they just made me look like an idiot. So I um I don't have much to say about it. They got me, you know, they made me look like a fool. Now Lacey Evans is just going to go back to being the same Lacey Evans we had before and we're going to get sick of her. We're going to wish her not to be on TV when you had a character that people cared for and genuinely were willing and I, I feel like we're ready to get behind at least give a shot when you tell a story like that I'm at least going to give you a shot now if you act like you know if you act like a little a little princess or something after that then then we'll, we'll you know if you go back to your southern bell you know style after that then we'll we'll talk but for what you were giving me yeah I'm gonna give you a shot but 
God dang it. WWE going WWE and they made me look like a fool. I'm sorry, Scott. I'm sorry that I was smarter than you on this particular occasion. That's life. Uh, It's life. And I hate to be right in situations like this, but you don't, (laughs) you know, and it's okay. Listen, it's okay because I've, I've gotten the pleasure of listening to you give compliments to the Miz on multiple occasions. And there's been a lot of Randy love lately. So I, I have to take, I have to take this one on the chin. But uh, yeah, they, they definitely did make me look like a fool here. The key difference is I love Randy and hate The Miz. So it's like a 50-50 split for you that I can appease you because we both love Randy, but right, I hate The right. Miz. And he is on this list, which we'll get to momentarily. So he's not out of the woods yet. He's got smoke coming courtesy of me. But as Reese transition away from Lacey Evans, may she succeed as being a heel, even though she should be a baby face. We transition now to Judgment Day, a hot topic of discussion on this show, as we've kind of red edged for filth lately regarding the mood lighting and the vampirism. But in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a switch up that he is strictly blaming the fans for what's happening. And that's a tired trope, but at least we've improved on the presentation of judgment day, adding Rhea Ripley to the mix this past week and edge now looking like a thirst trap with a brand new haircut that he debuted on Monday night raw. Congrats to him. He's de-aged about 10 years, but we have thoughts on workshopping this group a bit more, possibly adding one more member and Leading to another side feud involving Rhea Ripley and one Beth Phoenix. And Scott has had this idea percolating for a bit now. I think he remembers what his intentions were during our off-air chat last week. So, Scott, how do you plan to integrate Beth Phoenix into this storyline alongside Rhea Ripley? So, I don't remember exactly how I went, but I do remember that you know, Beth Phoenix could play a very important part in this and could really keep Rhea Ripley away from Bianca Belair, which has got to be the in-game money match. And I like this dynamic they have right now of Rhea Ripley being the focus of this group and Edge kind of really just being the mastermind behind it. Damian Priest is kind of playing the heavy and Edge is really just the <laughs> mouthpiece and mastermind and brings the uh, kind of brings the the legendary status to it to kind of elevate everything. And Rhea is really the focus of that. And I, I like that. She's going to mow through Liv Morgan again whenever they do their six man with uh, with Finn and AJ. She's going to mow through him. But then Beth Phoenix, you know, there's a story there of, you know, Beth saying, you know, she's already doing it on Twitter saying like, why me and stuff like that. And there's something there where she's trying to get Edge back. But Rhea's like, nah, I, I, I like this Edge. I'm going to keep Edge on the dark side over here with me because I, I like that. And and there the match that they could have could really elevate Rhea and it gives her something to do to keep her away from Bianca. I think that's the key right there is those I've, I've been saying this for a while. Those are pillars and they should be built up separately, not touching and have a big WrestleMania match. And this is a great way to keep that keep them away from each other. Rhea Ripley should win the, I mean, she should win the Royal Rumble for my money as of right now. Who else do you even put in that category besides maybe a Bailey? But Rhea Ripley should just run through everyone right now on her way to a title shot at WrestleMania. Um, 
but yeah, I think Beth Phoenix could play a very important role in that. And the match could elevate Rhea Ripley and also keep her away from Bianca Belair. Exactly. T's match dating back to NXT, and I would love to see it. Beth has played her part perfectly on Twitter, hating Edge's new character and wondering why is she here? Why is she a part of this group? So Beth is doing fine work online, playing into the storyline that could play out on TV eventually. So CJ, Rhea Ripley, your sister from Mm. Australia, joining Judgment Day, dyeing the hair black. And she is all in on blaming the fans, blaming us for taking those autographs and selling them on eBay the next day. I would never do that, by the way. But she blames all of us for that, for chasing her down at that airport and saying, hey, we need your autograph, Rhea. And then we say we're going to sell it for the highest bidder because we're mean and grubby and, you know, we just don't care. But what are your thoughts on Rhea joining the crew and who would you add to this faction moving forward? I love Rhea joining the group because, you know, she's like, she's a couple of years older than me and, you know, like she would have grown up watching Edge on TV, probably hated Edge when she was young. And I was watching her stand next to Edge in the ring for an awkwardly long time um, at WrestleMania Backlash. And I was like, damn, you know, like that is such a, I made it moment for her. So I'm like stoked. Um, about that aspect. I think it's a perfect fit. Um, I just want to say, uh, Damien Priest, um, looks like he does security for like Daughtry or Nickelback, but he'd still kick everyone's <laughs> ass. So I like that look. Um, and Daughtry, Edge's though? haircut is... <laughs> Daughtry though? Hey, I haven't heard a Daughtry <laughs> reference in years. <laughs> That's a great hey, callback right there. Look at the pants. There. Look at the pants, you know, that, that's some serious boot cut happening. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> that's great. Ripley's a great fit. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, you know, like when I was young and there was no Australian wrestlers in WWE and just a lot of them are thriving. So that's cool. And as far as an extra um, member, I think it's got to be Champa, who now has no first name since the last time I watched TV. But um, yeah, I, I mean that's kind of number one to me, but I've also seen like a fan made graphic of those four. And that was before Rhea uh, entered the fold. But I think that, I mean, I don't know what else he can do on the, on the, um, on the raw roster. And I don't know who would be a better fit who can kind of tap into that. You know, I I would call premium house of black. If we want to have that conversation, um, that vibe that they've got going on. Rich man's house of black, maybe, but yeah. Um, I don't know. Everyone else smiles too much on these shows, man. Like <laughs> Joe um, Gacy. If yeah, I just he's just death. He's just. Like, <laughs> I I can't wait to hear you talk about him. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I don't know. I think, and I think with, with Champa as four, that's probably about it. I don't know how, if you want to kind of dilute it anymore. I think you kind of got, I think Priest and Champa could be a cool tag team if they want to go that route or either way as singles guys. And um, Edge is doing his thing, going pretty Hollywood with it, but um, definitely kind of texting his agent after each role. Be like, so oh, what'd you think of that? Was that good? Like, could we kind of use that in a sizzle reel or something? So yeah, I, I, I like it. It's, um, 
it's interesting, and I think it'll be good for Champa. It's obviously going to be good for Ripley. So, and Daughtry Security Guard Priest is thriving too. So, it's good. Good group. I <laughs> I will say that Priest's hair on Monday was extra pressed. It was extra straight, <laughs> extra shiny, extra sleek. I don't know if he was using like extra extra strength Conair. I'm not sure, but the hair was slicked back and really shiny and luxurious. Dare I say on Monday? So Scott, if you had to recruit one more member to this crew, who would it be? Uh, you know, Champa. I, I think Champa is a, a really good pick. You know what? I would do something a little different, and I know it, it's it's probably not going to be everyone's favorite pick. But like I said, I got hot takes for days for the, for this episode. I would really have Rhea Ripley, and it would fit the story. I would have Rhea Ripley go get Nikki Cross and add her to the. Mm. Group. I mean, let's let's do let's change things up, man. Like. Every group doesn't have to have didn't have to have just one female and just be a male dominant group. Why not have two women in the group? Like, why not change the dynamic up a little bit? I don't see Edge wrestling a lot, and I think that's what Damian Priest is going to be. He's going to be the guy who wrestles a lot. Rhea Ripley shouldn't be wrestling a lot. Like, I you keep her special. That's again, I go back to what they do with Roman Reigns. They keep him special. You got to do that now with Rhea Ripley. You show her a couple times just destroying people. She should put that submission on and just start swinging people around the way Cesaro did his big swing. She should start doing that when she does her submissions. But and then you and you have Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross, not 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 the almost superhero who can't save anybody, but Nikki Cross, the one who's going to come to the ring and just be nuts, the way and would fit right on in. I, I just think that's a different look, a different dynamic, and it would and it feels different. Every the thing about WWE is stuff just feels. Like, like, okay, you know kind of what's going to happen. You know kind of how the groups are going to look. You know, you know any group's only going to have one female. Like, that's, that's, that's it. That's the quota. You're not going to add another female. Change the game up a little bit. Change up the look. I, I think they would have a, I think that's a great dynamic. It would be a great look. She would add just that extra bit of nuts to the group where you're like, holy hell, what the heck are they going to do? I, I just think that dynamic would be beautiful. I like that as well. I would like to also dust off T-Bar so he can be mm. Dijakovic once again to join the crew. I like that. I love Priest and Dijakovic being tag team champs at some point. Two talented, big dudes, agile as hell, can work at Twin a really high level. Twin towers of doom that can whoop ass accordingly. They're badasses. They can take flight. They can strike. They can fight. So I need those two to hook up eventually. And Dijak would definitely fit with this crew alongside a Nikki Cross who desperately needs to stop being a superhero at this point. She cannot even save a cat stuck in a tree at this point. So the sooner she gets away from that, and possibly be taken more seriously as a character. Let's go. It's long overdue. Maybe her and Dewdrop can be dynamic as a tag team, preferably as Piper Nevin and not Dewdrop because just no to Dewdrop at this point. I blame Eva Marie, but thankfully Shayna Baszler took care of that last year. As we segue to The Miz. The misery business. So Scott was praising me for championing the Miz earlier. Go Miz, go. Well, in this case, the Miz can go to hell right now because I'm sorry. I heard the, the sadness. 
<laughs> over the microphone. He knows what I'm, what I'm about to do here. So this past Monday on Raw, noted special guest referee The Miz refereed a match between Mustafa Ali and Champa, who has no first name anymore. And the last couple of weeks on Monday Night Raw, Champa has attacked Ali in post matchups against The Miz. And this past week, maybe two weeks ago now, against Theory and The Miz in a two-on-one handicap match. We do not know why Champa has attacked Ali. Ali has not publicly cut a promo asking why Champa has attacked him two times in a row. We don't even get a promo before the matchup. They're in the ring. No introduction. The Miz gets the introduction. And once again, Ali loses thanks to chicanery from the Miz not knowing how to count properly because he's an ass. And I'm just like, here's another feud revolving around the Miz that I don't care about. Ali came back a couple of weeks ago. He was a little bit over. Now he's less over due to this. And the worst part is you're doing him and Ciampa a disservice because they're having a feud and we do not know why they have a match for reasons we don't know what the reason is and we got the Miz as a spoiler for reasons I don't understand either it's a story that's not being told on screen not even online for that matter nobody is saying anything as to why Ciampa has a beef with Ali and if that's the case then maybe have him stay away from Ali for a bit and then let the Miz lose to Ali properly and then move on because right now Miz is just a guy in the middle of this mess just driving storyline which really doesn't exist because Ciampa has not said why he doesn't like Ali. So CJ, can you explain to me what the hell is going on with Miz and another dead in storyline running through his resume that I don't care about in 2022? I can't answer that question, but I will. And I'll say simply that Ciampa is auditioning for the, um, for the judgment day. But in all seriousness, I just... Like I was kind of watching this because I haven't really seen any, anything again. Like I'll say again, and um, I was kind of like, "What? Like, what's going on? Why?" Yeah, exactly what you said. Like, there's no real explanation for any of this. Um, it's it's funny to me that Mustafa Ali wanted out, and just they won't let him go. Like, they, there's so many people that want out, they don't let him go, and there's people that you think are just traveling along fine, they just get bounced. Like, it's this weird thing. Um, and I thought, okay, maybe they'll do something with him. I don't know why I thought that because it's WWE and you're right. He's less over and the Miz is just kind of being the Miz and the resume thing, which, you know, when the championships mean nothing, like who cares? Um, it's, yeah, I kind of watched it confused and kind of baffled. I was like, I don't know what any of this is supposed to mean. And we just need explanation, but I, I didn't even know if an explanation is going to help it at this point. I think it's just one of those mid card feuds where you just end it and move on, put Champa in the group and just push Mustafa Ali as a baby face. And the Miz is just going to be the Miz. And that's so sad. The Miz just being the Miz, just not being above what he can be. And that's what frustrates me the most about the Miz. Been in the game 16 years and there and there have been moments I've enjoyed the Miz. But right now he's just a pest, an irritant that offers nothing. And poor Ali comes back and you think there's something good happening. And preferably I want him on SmackDown to face Ricochet for the IC title. That ain't happening anytime soon. And he's stuck in a few with Ciampa 
for reasons we don't understand is very confusing. Ciampa has not said a word on this show besides week one when he introduced himself to Ezekiel. And since then, he's been attacking baby faces for no reason, but working as a baby face on main event on Peacock. So it's very distressing to me to see the storyline play out the way it has in front of a dead crowd that has no reason to care when we don't know why they're beefing. I need reasons and the Miz stirring up shit is not helping despite Scott's affinity and affection for the most annoying man in WWE today. Yeah, that's my guy. Um, you know, shout out to the Miz. Also, uh, Miz and Mrs. is coming back. So I have that to look forward to as well. <laughs> um, you know, hey, full on plug and everything for my boy. You know what I'm saying? We got to rep it over here. Might even go get a T-shirt. Might even go get a onesie for the tribal chief in the house. You know, a Miz and Mrs. onesie for the tribal chief. How do you think he'll feel about that? He might, he might exonerate me. From uh from ever having to watch uh some some rest from WWE if I uh if I do him right but then again he might just kick me out of the house so who knows what's gonna happen if I do that to the tribal chief um this is uh the Miz is the Miz you know what you're gonna get with him he's he he serves a purpose and you know sometimes you got to go through some of the shenanigans to get to the purpose but you know. I don't have faith that the purpose is going to be what everybody wants it to be. This is clearly to get the Miz over, not Mustafa Ali. So please don't get your hopes up or get it twisted or think that this is for him. This is not a Cody Rhodes situation where they pick the Miz as the first guy for Cody Rhodes to kind of run through. It's not going to be like that. This is definitely going to be a, we're going to make you think we're giving Ali this big moment, but really this is just for the Miz to have something to do. So um, I get the frustration, but it's my guy. It is what it is. Um, yeah, you're going to have to suffer through Miz beating Mustafa Ali here in the next couple weeks. Well, I protest out of respect. If I'm not here for two weeks, that is why. <laughs> if Scott what, flying solo. <laughs> hey, listen, if let me tell you something. If Keela's not here, because what you guys don't hear off the air is all the technical difficulties and BS that I put Keela through. So if Keela's not here, there's a good chance that this show probably will not get up and it'll be 100% my fault. Yes. And I am looking forward to that, actually, to know that without me, <laughs> this show would tank due to Scott versus technology, which is better than The Miz versus Mustafa Ali, in all honesty. Scott's feud with the computer and Wi-Fi and modems is more entertaining than whatever the hell The Miz is doing with Mustafa Ali and poor Ciampa. Just, I can't. This was just so bad on Monday. Just a dry match in front of a dry crowd and The Miz getting little to no heat. And God, I miss The Miz from 2016 because this Miz is a sad shell of himself, a less relevant MJF. I will say it until the cows come home because that's what he is, even though Miz and Mizzes is coming back very soon on USA. Yes, I can cheap plug to the one thing I like about The Miz. I will enjoy watching him fail on Dancing with the Stars. I will enjoy the tan he has on the show, Dancing Out of Rhythm. But I digress on all of that as we move to... NXT 2.0, our favorite show. This show this week was special because it was all about the ladies. I <laughs> I heard something indirectly. <laughs> He's just getting you one ready. Organs, yeah, so, uh, one of my organs yeah. is failing for some reason. He's allergic. I don't know which one. He's allergic to it. <laughs> 
And then he got a little 2.0 dust in his nose or something, and it made him sneeze real quick. <laughs> <laughs> something happened. I cannot believe it. NXT makes CJ sick. It really literally legit honestly makes him sick. And I have a feeling that as we get deeper into this reveal, and it's going to be very brief, I think that he has something to say about one Joseph Gacy, who has really been a thorn in our side as of late, a champion of inclusion, a champion of peace and understanding, the king of political correctness. So CJ, I will give you the floor for two minutes to say what you need to say about one Joseph Gacy. I've been waiting for this ISO play for so long. I just, look, I, I don't understand. I, this is a, a character. It's not, it's not a gimmick. It's a character made by someone who needs a therapist, like an inclusive and politically correct character that just manages to offend me to no end. And like, okay, I haven't been watching the shows, but I hear on recaps that this is the number one contender for the world championship of this brand, for the world championship of this, this promotion, this guy who just is just a a bundle of nothing. I just, I feel, I feel nothing when I look at Joe Gacy, like I'm sure he's a really nice guy in real life. And I kind of even feel bad, but just what this show, I just can't, I, I can't handle this gimmick the, like the Druids. Harland is gone for some reason. I guess maybe he like got that, um, got that, got that part as an extra in green room too. Like, I don't know. It's just such a baffling thing. And it's so bad for Bron Breaker, um, who is such a sure thing. It's like, oh, let's put the worst possible opponent against him like it's just i'm looking at his bio on wwe.com the insufferable superstar has already shared his safe space in the ring with the bunch of wrestlers like insufferable superstar like insufferable it is such a disgusting gimmick and just it makes me feel sick it's like a torture ah i can't someone please take over take the wheel I have taken the wheel from CJ. He has said what he needed to say about Joe Gacy, and I completely understand it. I have felt your pain, sir. I feel it every single week. I felt that pain for seven months now. I feel nothing for Joe Gacy. I am at the point now where I want Von Wagner on my screen more than Joe Gacy. That's what kind of hell we're in right now. So, Scott, can you make the arrangements on behalf of your client to get Von Wagner to possibly massacre Joe Gacy for my entertainment? Hell no, I don't want Von Wagner on the screen. Listen, we um we gotta we gotta take the lesser of the two evils here. I am the advocate of Von Wagner, but I understand the key to Von Wagner's success is for him not to be on TV and then just stay employed getting the paycheck. So what I'm gonna need to continue to happen is Joe Gacy. I just need him to I'd rather him just be the fall guy in Edge's judgment day group and just go ahead and move on up. Let's get him away from Braun Breaker. I think that's the first problem. Get him away from that potential gold mine you have right there. Let him be the fall guy. He don't have to say a word. He can just look creepy in the back. You know? That's what he does best. He looks creepy in the back. Remember when they threw Brian Kendrick down the steps? He looked creepy in the back. 
you know and then he every threw time- himself down the steps in real life <laughs> you, you know like I, joe gacy man unless we're not gonna and let's not act like they didn't name him after a a serial killing clown like you know we talked about that too so there's a whole lot going on with that character but again we won't be bringing big daddy v von wagner back on the screen because i'm trying to keep him employed I can understand that because the more he's on TV, the more is exposed that he's not very good. And then they would say, well, it's a year time to cut him. And that would be a sad day when we can't talk about Von Wagner on this show as we continue to hope for improvement, which could happen on the coconut loop, which will be reinstated next month. Thank God we've been preaching for that Mm. for like six months now. We'll pray for y'all to really improve on the road because y'all need it as we get back to the essence of this week's NXT 2.0 is all about the ladies second time in two weeks. And Scott and I talked about this last week and that it's all about quality over quantity. It's not about the numbers. 24 women were on the show a couple of weeks ago. That's a great stat. But how are you using that talent accordingly? And it's to mix results. And unfortunately, this was the lowest rated NXT episode on USA in history and a lot of competition, NBA, NHL. It's a thing. But the core issue is despite the females that you showcase on the show. It is a show full of developmental talent, green talent on display. And I do question this breakout tournament for the women. I'm happy they're getting a shot at this. But when you look at the landscape outside of Roxanne Roxanne Perez and maybe Lash Legend and perhaps Nikita Lyons, everybody else recently got signed to a deal. I might discount Fallon Henley because she's been around for a while, but Everybody else recently got signed in the last two or three months at the PC. You're rushing people to TV. You can't trust them to do more than three minutes per show in the ring. It's highly choreographed to make sure you don't mess up things, but you do mess up things because you practice too damn much. And we're just looking at a below average product. And it's no fault of their own. It's a process that you're trying to throw people on TV to see if the, what they can do. And they can't do very much. If you can't trust a match not to go long in three minutes, then maybe you don't need to do a tournament just yet. Maybe wait six months to see what happens there. Or maybe push Roxanne Perez, someone that is ready for TV. If you want to go with the Keto Lions, go with her. But this tournament, as is, is not it. Thankfully, we had a couple of bright spots with Cora Jade and Natalia. That was a really good main event. The question is, what will Cora Jade do after this? Because you're not going to have Natalia walking you through a match every single week. What would be the lessons learned from that? Can she be able to carry others like a Lash Legend, like a Nikita Lyons in the future? She's about 20-something herself. Can she be that vet on this show? You need a steady hand right now. And despite the representation, which is lovely, there is a lot of an experience on display that is going to create a ceiling for this show. They can't overcome right now until that coconut loop is back in effect in Florida starting in June, hopefully to give people more reps, more time to learn the ins and out, to work in front of different crowds and to get better organically. Cause this right now, this tournament is not it, Scott. Yeah. I think this tournament should have been on level up and I think you had the finals on NXT, but you know, I, I will say I do. I have liked, I did like Fallon Henley. I thought she looked pretty good out there. Um, that you know again it's not saying a lot when you compare to who you got it's i don't know man i we like we talked about we want the women to get their opportunity but there's some women that you could give more of an opportunity to like 
Where's Io Shirai at? You know, like, give me some, give me a video package on her. Give me a video package on Zoe Starks trying to work back from her injury. Like, there's, there's other women that I can, you know, that I'd like to see. I Give me more of the Ivy Niles stuff. Like, give me more of that. That's how you're getting the character over. So then when she gets in the ring and she obliterates somebody, it's like, all right, well, that makes sense. Look what she was doing. So give me, give me more of that. And you can have some good, I mean, it's okay to have a couple more guys having matches with it. You know what I mean? Like, and then still having the focus be on the women in a, in a way that is more beneficial to them. Like the video package is going to do a lot more than like you said, these two, three minute matches where they're not looking great to begin with. So it's, you got to be smart about how you're doing it. And I appreciate the effort that they're doing, but I don't, I don't want it to backfire. Cause I mean, they're giving these, they're giving these people, you know, three months. And if you don't get it, you're gone. You know, if you're not a Tiffany Stratton or, um, you know, a, a Roxanne, you're gone. It's and that's that's essentially it. So you you got to be careful with that because you can end up losing some re- some real talent just because you don't have the patience for it. But I like Fallon. Um, I'm glad that she moved on. I think she'll have some good matches through this. But there's not a lot else really going on in this tournament for me. No, this is very lackluster right now, unfortunately. And I just think it's on WWE to have this deadline that you must be better by this date. It's not possible. Everybody is not a unicorn. There's a select few that can get this very quickly. And this tournament is showcasing the greenness is on display that you see behind the scenes at the PC. If that's happening, then don't do a tournament right now. You don't have to have a set date for a tournament when you don't have when you don't have the talent in place to support it right now because it exposes weaknesses and you want to blame the talent when you should be really looking at yourself thinking this is what we need to do. This is not a churn factory at this point. And another issue regarding the presentation of the show this past Tuesday is that some people were upset about the number coming in and they were like, well, this was an all women's show and how could this be? Well, it's a t- it's a double edged sword because you're Look at the content in the ring, which wasn't bad. But then you look at the other side of it, and it's the sexualization of women on this show. Mandy Rose telling Wendy Chu, no, you're not as good as me because, no, that you're not better than me in the ring. You don't look as good as me. That's why you'll never be me. Telling Indy Hartwell, well, I will never lose my husband because look at me. Like, that is a double-edged thing. You want to be all about supporting women. We're pushing women on the forefront. Give them television time. But then it's like a double-handed thing. Who are you catering to? Is it your male? audience or your female audience what is it which is which you can't have both there's a way to present women as sexy and strong and powerful but at the same time you don't have to throw it in our face which we talked about on the show extensively so cj what are your thoughts on the tournament thus far and wwe trying to have it both ways saying we're all about showcasing the ladies but then again look how hot i am it's a um okay i'll start with the tournament i think like I watch these matches and there are some bright spots like Roxanne Perez um, <clears throat> is obviously much more experienced. That was Roxy, right? I'm not. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Obviously more experienced. I feel like the, it, it seems to me like they're teaching the trainees how, like how to follow a match layout rather than how to work. And, you know, we all know the difference between that, um, between those two things. Like, it looks like they're following steps and it doesn't look like they're kind of reacting, which is what uh, wrestling is at least supposed to be. And that's concerning for the future. Um, 
you know, I, I mean, I hope things might be different on the coconut loops as they're called. Um, and yet like this presentation of the women where, you know, like I think all sports kind of, whether they try it or not kind of have a sex appeal, you know, I mean, wrestling does because it's people, you've got half naked guys out there. You've got half naked women out there. It's just going to be there. But the way it's presented kind of to what you said in NXT is just, it feels kind of just lewd in a way, you know, it kind of feels like I'm watching, um, I, I can't think of a good example. I don't want to say like girls gone wild or anything like that, because that's insane. But you know, like the way they kind of shoot some of the women, it's like, why don't they just go and look at how the female fighters in the UFC are presented and just kind of do that. But the, the, the difference is you can give them more flair and more, you know, like um, more charisma personality. Like the, the, the Mandy Rose stuff is just like, I, yeah, it's the over-sexualization. Like it's just kind of gross, you know, it's not what I want in wrestling. And I don't think it's, I don't think that stuff is going to draw young people anymore. I don't think that's what young people want. I mean, there's an audience for everything, no doubt. But like, this just feels kind of straight out of, you know, the 2006 Diva search. It's, this is not, it's not what wrestling fans want to watch. Um, I, I completely am on board with doing an all women's show like this. I actually think I was, I was watching this. I'm like, you know what? Like we can just not televise this developmental stuff and they can just do their coconut loops and come to TV when they're ready. And maybe this time slot is an all women's show instead like maybe this is nxt 3.0 is just where all the main event women are and it's all women it's a women creative team it's women commentators it's everything like tuesday nights ladies night wrestling whatever but you know i you, you know if they actually did that it would be run by bruce pritchard and that would make me want to stab my eyes out watching how that would turn out so i don't know i it's it's a it, it seems like it's a hard balance, but I really don't think it is to kind of present these women respectfully. And yeah, it's NXT is just a fucking dumpster fire, to be honest with you. So, ah, and also, can I, can I just, the fall from grace thing? has been sad, unfortunately. Oh my yes. God. I know. Um, real quick, Brooks or Jensen, I don't know which one was that. Did his shirt say virginity rocks on the shirt? Yes. Yes. Mm. I, I want to prepare okay. you now for what I'm about to okay. say. Scott, brace yourself as well. Um, so a week ago, he suffered a wrist injury. And backstage, the trainer no. says, well, no. <laughs> the, tra <laughs> the trainer says, well, you know what? An, an injury like this would normally keep you out eight to 12 weeks. But you're right hand is really strong so you're going to be out about four to six weeks and is there a reason why your right hand is so much stronger than your left hand and we know the answer to that is because he's been beating his junk oh. with regularity because he's a virgin so yeah that is where we are on nxt 2.0 he's been dating mrs palmer oh that's the storyline <laughs> Yes. The four sisters Mrs. on Palmer. Palm Street. <laughs> yes. Oh, snap. <laughs> oh. We we just we just call her we Jill here in America. Cut to commercial, cut to commercial, cut to commercial. <laughs> yeah, we just call her Jill oh here. 
That's hey, look, listen. That's that's what Brooks and Dunn do on the old dirt road. You know, I I believe at least. You know, who, who happens? Who, who's gonna say this guy's my favorite wrestler? <laughs> what the f- Joe Gacy. <laughs> They're gonna be the next two to join up. They're gonna be the next two to join up with Joe Gacy. Because if Shawn Joe Michael Gacy knew how like, to be oh, a cult let's... leader, that would work. He's the type of guy that Joe Gacy would. That's the type of guy that you target. Like yes. that's the type of guy that you target. So in in if if this was logical, that would be the next person that Joe Gacy would go after. Somebody who has no confidence and is a virgin. What yes. better target would you have? Shawn Michaels target. is just like. Oh, I'm going to make a wrestler that's like the complete opposite of me in the 90s in every single way. Like yes. just no confidence. Oh boy. I uh, yeah. this is just insane. This is straight out of yeah. 2006. Like I don't get it. Well no, you know what? They if Vince if someone suggested this to Vince in 2006, they would he would look at them like they're a fucking alien. I can't even and the shirt too. Is that? Hang on, I need to check if it's on WWE Shop. Hold up. Keep. Let's move on if you need it's to. Definitely, it's back. definitely not on the shop. There's no way they're selling it. <laughs> it's. I. Hey, I can tell you that it definitely ain't on the shop. I hope not. Is it on the shop? Virginity finding out. Rules. Is it? Now, is it there? The, if somebody wore it on AEW, it would definitely be on Pro Wrestling Tees by now. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Fans wear it. Um, what's, the uh, <laughs> what's the re- what's the wrestler's name? Brooks Jensen. Oh, he hasn't got any merch. What a loser! Okay, it it, it ain't on there. He ain't on no, there. he has no merch. No, I well, have to settle for a bootleg. Yeah, they, they'll make it. I wonder who sold that shirt. That's a great question. Who sold that shirt and gave it to Brooks Jensen to wear? The investigation will be conducted. Imagine going to the screen printing place and just like, yeah, I just need this one to say virginity rules. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Yes. Yes. And things I never thought I would say on this show. I deliberately avoided it last week, but CJ has por- has boycotted the show. And I had to explain why Jensen's hand is so strong. And now we must move on to other items on our agenda, including snitch ass Sammy Zayn, Sammy the spy, Sammy the informant, now Sammy the ass kisser, Sammy the spokesperson for the bloodline. I love Sammy Zayn being a snitch for the bloodline as of late. Great television. And I simply adore what he's doing, listening to all the backstage conversations, trying to curry favor with Paul Heyman to get to Roman Reigns. And dare I say, he's petitioning himself to be the next universal champion. Why not at this point? And hell, he deserves it after Brock basically forced him to have his match on SmackDown months ago when he wasn't ready for it. So I'm all for Sami Zayn having this television time, possibly being in line with the bloodline on Friday night since Roman might be going on a little bit of a break very soon from TV and why not have Sami Zayn himself at the head of the table Scott yeah Sami Zayn is um, he's doing some great work right now there's no denying that and I um, 
I think I might have said it a week or two ago, but I'm here for him being a part of the bloodline. I know he has no blood in the line, but I'm here for him being a part of the bloodline. Like, I I think him and Paul Heyman just bouncing stuff off. Like, him constantly trying to bounce ideas off of Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman just being like, no, I'm good, son. No, that's not going to work. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm here for all that. And it fits because Roman demolished him, and he's like, well, I acknowledge you now, so... Again, that's another type of guy that Joe Gacy would target, by the way, Sami Zayn, because he just wants he just wants somebody to, you know, appreciate him. Joe Gacy would be like, oh, I love you. Come here, hug me. So, but and that's what Paul Heyman's gonna do. Paul Heyman's gonna be like, oh, hug me. I love you too. I think he's great. I think it'll be a great dynamic for them. Agreed. He's fantastic. And I just love how he's just trying to speak for Roman Reigns saying I speak on behalf of the locker room because I am the locker room leader because Roman is above this at this point. I am the one that is going to be making matches for other people, matches for myself. And I love his dynamic with Riddle this past Friday on SmackDown. I thought that was probably the best match on the show on Friday. Maybe their first time ever having a match together and it was really good. And Zayn just plays his part to perfection, no matter what he does. Conspiracy theorist, this, he got paid for a reason because he always brings it, no matter the material. And Friday was no exception, CJ. Sammy, I'll be honest, when he re-signed with WWE, I was like, ah. You know, like, because my taste is just like, man, I want to see that old Sammy Zayn and be a wrestler, like a real, like, baby face restaurant, whatever, but this, he's just like too good doing this stuff. And him being part of the bloodline is genuinely very fun. Like the idea of that is genuinely very funny. And um, yeah, his hair being the color of rust. I can't believe the writers came up with something that's actually funny. He, he would just make anything work. Like I, I viscerally hated the jackass batch at WrestleMania, but he, um, he's awesome. Like I think, He's a real all-rounder talent, and um, he—I kind of see him having a much longer career because of this as well. But he—I I, was—I got a kick out of Sami Zayn. I always do, and um, yeah, Rusty, I guess now, right? I do you think that actually changed it to Rusty for real? They better not. No, like it was nice for one week. Rusty got over, but I do not need this to be an ongoing chant. I love Sami Zayn too much to call him Rusty moving forward. But knowing WWE, they would trademark Rusty Zayn and say, let's go with it. Let's go, Rusty. Let's go. And speaking of the bloodline, and quite frankly, I would love Sami Zayn to be added to the T-shirt. And I would love him to Photoshop his head to Roman Reigns' body as the new head of the table. Let that happen for me, WWE. I need new bloodline shirt. Sammy, a part of the bloodline, indirectly trying to run shit. That is a great storyline for when Roman's not on TV. Let him be the honorary head of the table alongside Jay and Jimmy and Paul Heyman having fits over it because he hates Sammy deep down inside of his soul. And our last topic of discussion revolving around SmackDown is the closing segment because for the last couple of weeks, WWE has yanked us by the ball and chain, so to speak. We were supposed to get a tag team unification match between RK Bro and the Usos. Originally at WrestleMania Backlash, Roman Reigns says, no, you attack me this one time and we must change it to a six-man tag because he said, you know what? Well, since I'm going on break real soon, this might be the last time I tag with my cousin, so let's do it on a pay-per-view with nothing on the line. 
So RK Bro decides to show up on SmackDown and they want to challenge the Usos to unify these titles to have one undisputed tag team champ representing WWE. And once again, Randy Orton stole the show during the closing segment, calling out Roman Reigns, who said he smashed John Cena and Brock Lesnar. Every time I come out here on a pay-per-view Saturday or Sunday, I come back here on Friday and I tell you what's next. And what's next is nothing. We have ran through everybody on this show. I'm untouchable. I'm unstoppable. And Randy says, no, you didn't smash John Cena. He's 10 times the star you will ever be. And the fans pop at that. And then Randy says, believe that to Roman. And Roman has a smug smirk on his face. I love it. Randy Orton is the fucking best right now. And the cherry on top of this cake is the fact that we have the Usos accept the challenge that Randy issued out. And I got to call him by his full government name, Matthew Riddle. Matthew fucking Riddle, the boldness of this man to deliver a jumping knee to Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns goes flying backwards. The Usos are in shock. Paul Heyman is great in the background looking at this act of sacrilege and Riddle lives to tell this story for now. And we're going to get the unification match next week for the tag team titles based on what Riddle did. I expect Roman to kill this man between Monday and Friday. And this match ends via disqualification. And we don't get the unified titles, which I fully expect at this point. But I do want a, I want a conclusive, definitive finish. But knowing WWE, we're not going to get that. But I will take, before Roman goes on vacation, Riddle versus Roman Reigns for the Unified Universal Championship. Why not? So, CJ, what are your thoughts on the closing segment and what could be a pretty fun match with Riddle and Roman if they decide to go in that direction? Yeah, I thought the knee was like, the knee was like one thing that I thought Riddle's done on television that's been really good. Like, I was like, oh, that was, like, it's cool that he got that in. Like, that was a, whoever's idea that was, well done to you. I hope you get a bonus. Um, I really hope they do actually unify these tag titles. I want them to unify all these titles. Like I can Roman still carrying around both world titles. I kind of think having the one, like he feels like an even bigger deal now because he just has the one, um, same with the tag titles. I think it'd be really cool, um, to have them as the undisputed tag, like whoever wins as undisputed tag champions. Um, Riddle and Roman, I could see, yep, that would be a pretty good match, I guess. Um, I just think, like, to kind of, not to, like, take over the, the, the question or anything, but um, does RK Bro lose that tag title match, maybe, and that's a catalyst for a split? Or because, and I only say that is because it would now be, a, a, would soon be a good time rather than, when they're a bit stale. Um, but yeah, I can't, I'm, I, I did enjoy what I saw of this feud and I thought the match backlash was really good. Um, yeah, I think good segment. Paul Heyman is just like the best actor in WWE. I think he's fantastic just in the background. Um, yeah, this is cool. I, I like the segment. I dug it and I am getting more leery of what's going to happen with RK bro by the week, because Riddle is morphing into Randy Orton with the more moves he takes, the power slams, the draping DDTs, the RKOs. I just sensed that Jeremy was on this show a few months ago 
And he's been predicting this switch. I don't know when. I don't want it to happen anytime soon. But the more I'm looking at this scenario playing out and the more Randy Orton is the world's greatest cheerleader at ringside and really living his best life, Riddle is going to totally stab this guy in the fucking back very, very soon. Yeah. And Riddle can become the legend killer because Randy's a legend now. Oh, God. That is a good what? point. What? I should be a writer on this stupid show. That's it's right there. It is. Because it is every, one of yeah. Everyone would expect Randy to do the turn. So if Riddle turns into the prick, and yeah, that's a good that's a good swerve, bro. Yes. That's a yes. good one. I've been noticing it more and more. He's morphing it to Randy more and more, and I would love Does to see it. Not right now because they're so over. But let's. Wait until maybe SummerSlam. Hell, I don't know. They're too good right now. But that would be the end game of Riddle doing this because he's morphing more and more into Randy. I love it. And Randy's too damn happy right now for it to last. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the closing segment and Riddle morphing into a Viper who will probably bite Randy Orton very, very soon? So, I think to that note, and I think that's why Randy Orton is still going to be the one to eventually turn on Riddle because he's going to see that and he's going to be like, listen, the one thing that I, the last thing I didn't teach you was that you always strike first. That's going to be the line that he says Ooh. to Riddle when he hits him with the RKO because that's what's going to happen. Riddle's going to do, it might even, I, I said this maybe a year or two ago, or not you, but I said this when we first started this show. In a year or two, Riddle was going to be solidified in the main event. And I think when Riddle gets solidified in the main event, and hell, we didn't talk about him. Maybe he's the guy who does eventually beat I mean, Roman Reigns down the road. But when it happens, that's what Randy Orton's going to say. The, la- the, thing, the last thing I didn't teach you is that you always strike first. I still think it's going to be Orton because he... Ha- what better way to turn the crowd than when you have them completely on your side, 100% in your corner? And I think Riddle is just, I think he's, I think he would become such a likable babyface because he's so dopey. And you, I think the heartbreak on Riddle is really going to sell it. And I think he would do a better job of selling that heartbreak than Randy Orton will. So I I still think it's going to be Orton. Um, Either way, I think we're going to get a great match whenever it eventually happens. I think RK-Bro does end up winning the tag titles, even if it's... Because what what I'm thinking is, and I go back to what I talked about with Judgment Day. I say RK bro wins the tag titles because I think whoever they when they do lose it, I think it's going to be to a group like Judgment Day. You know, Edge and Damian Priest, people you can put on both shows. Now you can have Edge on SmackDown. You can have Edge on Raw. You can have Rhea Ripley on SmackDown. Hell, if you do do have Nikki Cross join, you can have them too win the tag titles too. So now you have four pieces of gold in this group. Um, that's you know comp- that's off on the side, but that's kind of the the thinking I have when you when you do something like this i'm not opposed to unifying the titles like the tag titles and the world title and keeping the u.s and ic as the separate titles on each brand i'm not opposed to that and i think if you do you go with the baby faces and that's how we get to i think because i think you have to get at least one of the two matches out of this out of this between either randy and roman or riddle and roman i think you have to get one of those two out of this um, because i think the crowd's just too hot i think randy's the perfect guy for it 
you really wanted to stretch out everything because Drew shouldn't happen to the clash at the castle. You know, they shouldn't be doing anything with that. Uh, Bobby Lashley, he's apparently out of the picture for some reason, even though after beating Omos, he was right there, a great challenger. So I think Randy, I think Randy's what you do at SummerSlam, man. Because you're not going to bring Cena back for another sum, for a SummerSlam. So I, I think you, you got it. Randy's your biggest baby face, and it can't be Cody. You can't do Cody at SummerSlam. That's got to be at WrestleMania. I, I think Whoa. Randy's where you go at SummerSlam. Cody against Roman at WrestleMania. Absolutely. He's, that's way, I think that's too big for SummerSlam. Not Dewey Johnson. <laughs> not, not for the belt. Not for the belt. So, okay, so what What about Cody and Roman at SummerSlam? Cody wins a title. Or- I don't know if Dwayne's going to be it. I don't think Dwayne's going to be at WrestleMania, at least in a match. Now, yeah, true. maybe Dwayne Johnson is the special guest referee for Cody and Roman. Or what if the match is a bad movie? Maybe he'll be in it then. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> that was a straight bullet. Yeah, he can he I gotta balance it out. Everyone loves the role. No, but I just thought if it was gonna be those two at Mania, then you could do Cody maybe Cody beat Cody like you do a, some sort of finish at SummerSlam, then maybe Cody wins the title in Madison Square Garden. Because aren't they gonna be there in like September? So you could do that. That'd be pretty sick. Where his daddy didn't get the belt. I don't know. I'm just spitballing, but yeah. <laughs> the shade the Rock got indirectly from CJ, who films Young Rock in your country, by the way, sir. Because of this, hey, he's like, well, hey, "Fuck that! We're moving it back to Georgia." I I wouldn't like people knowing that that bad show is filmed in my beautiful country, oh, um, but. <laughs> anyway wow two shots at Dewey Johnson his movie suck like and so does his TV show wow he's cool but when I you mean, said Dewey Johnson I had to I had to think for a second like Dewey Johnson wait a minute who is who is Dewey Johnson what? why would Dewey Johnson be in the main event who the hell is Dewey Johnson <laughs> Dewey I was like he's Dewey a... <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the guy from Scream isn't that the guy isn't that the guy's name from Scream <laughs> yes isn't his name Dewey yes may may he rest spoiler alert may he rest Dewey oh my rest. gosh what a spoiler <laughs> I'm sorry that's a it's... hell of a spoiler right there Keela oh my gosh <laughs> spoiler alert Dewey oh got it oh my goodness Dewey got it in Scream 5 I'm sorry y'all don't need to watch Scream 6 that's coming out then <laughs> I know he's not making it He's not making it. I'm so sorry to tell you that Dewey didn't survive. I'm so sorry. My apologies. Dewey had a good 25-year run, and now he's gone. So, well, I didn't mean for it to go there, because technically CJ pulled it out of me. You know, I didn't mean to say Dewey died, you know, but he did. Knife right to the back. Torso up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was a rough go, but... We went from Scream to Dewey Johnson to Young Rock and both shows, according to CJ, suck. So we're going to end the show on a happier note that does not involve Brooks Jensen jacking off to any of this. Whoa. 
<laughs> pause. <laughs> pause. Wait. And we'll be right back. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> Wait a minute. Erase. That, Erase and rewind all of that. Ooh, My apologies. Pause. <laughs> is this is this the rap or the fap? What is going this on? Is, this, here? NXT 2.0 after hours then crept onto our show somehow. What the hell going on? What's uh? What was the name? Of, what was the name of uh, BET After Hours where they would play like the uh, the tip drill video from Nelly? Oh my God! Was it what the hell was it? Was it uncensored? It might have was been it? uncensored or After Dark or something like that. It was something like that. They would play like the 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 unedited videos you couldn't show. Uncut BET yeah. Uncut. Okay, it might have been BET Uncut. That might have been it. Well, this is the horny hours edition of the rap. Right at the end of the show. <laughs> You know, it gets a little lewd around here because, oh you know, <laughs> well, it was an easy layup. Oh. And Joe Gacy has material to work with and he doesn't go there. That would make his character 10% more interesting. Oh. But <laughs> we're going to end things on a better note than that, as we will pick a new segment introduced by Scott is the best damn television match from WWE this week. Because despite the content being shitty sometimes, there is one match that stands just a touch above the rest to give us a reason to say, you know what? WWE is not bad all the time. So, CJ, what is your match recommendation of the week for the people or your listeners out there who still have this show on despite what has mm-hmm. happened the last five minutes? Uh, I would have turned it off hours ago. Um, <laughs> favorite match? <sighs> Oh, uh, man. I don't know. I, I liked... Um, I need to go back through my notes. Uh, was it... I, I, Cody in theory... Uh, he has no first name. Um, Cody Rhodes in theory, I was liking until um, until the finish. Three DQ finishes on Raw, by the way. Almost, almost started eating a brick. Um, yeah, I probably Cody in theory. Nothing stood out to me. I thought Riddle and Sami Zayn was pretty good. Um, I just quickly scrambled to my SmackDown notes. Yeah, probably uh, the Cody match. Bit of a Cody stand nowadays. It's insane what a change of scenery can do. But um, yeah, that's my pick. All right, ride or die, Cody fan, CJ Tappen, noted supporter of the coaster so scott what is your pick for best match of the week from wwe uh for me the best match of the week is definitely got to be rk bro versus the street profits for the raw tag team titles on monday night raw uh i i think the dynamic just works really well the street profits are a really good team man um and I, I do think that they have a good heel run in them. I don't know why they didn't just pull the trigger. I know that they are a fan favorite and people are going to cheer whenever Montez decides to go touch the ceiling on his way down from the frog splash. But, man, I think they have a great heel run in them whenever they do do it. But they had a great match. That RK bro, Riddle caught Montez when he went to the top rope. That was pretty. Orton's reaction outside the ring was pretty when he saw it. Like, it's, it's just a really fun match. And... One thing that really just adds to the match is, and you notice it because a lot of other 
acts on the show, a lot of other wrestlers just don't have it. The crowd, man, they are so invested in RK Bro. And the Street Profits are the they were the right team to do that with. I, I really enjoyed this match. It was fast paced. It was Orton still has Orton has the best hot tag in the business for my my for my money, especially from being a tag champ, I think he's got the best hot tag. Crowds with it. His moves are over. They're impactful. He's got so much fire, man. Just great babyface fire. So that that's my match right there. All right. That would have been my pick as well. But I'm going to switch things up and show some love to SmackDown. And surprisingly enough, I really enjoyed Ronda Rousey versus Raquel Good Rodriguez pick. for the SmackDown oh. Women's Championship. That was actually a pretty damn good fight that felt organic and natural. If they had more time working reps together in the ring, it would be much better than what they did. But for what they did for six minutes, I thought Raquel looked pretty damn good against Ronda Rousey. And Ronda looked nice, too. So I thought it was a nice matchup, a nice surprise. It wasn't a one-sided squash match for Ronda to run through Raquel. Raquel gave it to Ronda, and Ronda had to fight with a roll-up to retain the championship. So I really enjoyed what they did, and I want more from Raquel. I wish you would stop smiling so much, but when you're a baby face, oh. you got to smile. It's yes. like this what? quest, white strip smile you must have when you're a baby face. She looks uncomfortable with how much she's smiling. It is insane. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where they put the hooks in their teeth. It's like Treehouse of Horror or something. It's so weird. Where's the game face? Anyway. You know, I'll say this about Rhonda, though. Rhonda works well with the I mean it's only it's only a couple women like that but she works well with the women that are bigger than her like she had a pretty good match with Nia Jax think about that she had a pretty good match with Nia Jax like she had a good match with Raquel Gonzalez right 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 yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely (laughs) Um, but again she had a good match with her like so I I think there's something there if Ronda's gonna be the babyface she has to be like there has to be a reason that people believe she can lose, and when she goes up, like, and Raquel deserves a lot of credit for that too. She played, she played her role and play, and acted like a big, like like a big person, you know, as a big wrestler instead of just a wrestler, and that made a big difference in the match. So, I think there's something too that they really kind of need to look into more. Is figure, I think it's time to bring Dewdrop over. Like, I think those are the type of opponents that Ronda Rousey needs to face. And because she seems to just react better when she's going against someone bigger than her. Yeah, it's a real natural thing that she's used to fighting from underneath. And that was a prime example on SmackDown. A present supply, a present, a pleasant surprise, because I did not expect that match on Friday. It was pretty good. I want to see it ran back perfectly with Raquel turning heel and not smiling. And instead of destroying Ronda Rousey to get another shot at the SmackDown Women's Championship. And on that note, this wraps up a very fun edition of the wrap. We had a lot of shade thrown on this show from all of us. And it was a lot of fun. We apologize in advance to Joe Gacy. No, we don't. We don't apologize whatsoever. We meant everything that we said on this show. But I do say sorry, Dewey, for your untimely passing. Real quick, why you instead of apologizing to Dewey, you need to be apologizing to all the Dewey fans who haven't seen Scream 5. Them the ones you should be apologizing to. Dewey dead. You can't apologize. Ain't no point apologizing to him. He dead. <laughs> he gone. <laughs> he ain't gotta, we ain't got to worry about him no more. But all them fans he got that ain't seen Scream 5 yet, them the ones you need to be apologizing to. I'm so sorry. My and bad. that includes me. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Scott. <laughs> Check it out on Paramount Plus at your earliest convenience to see how he died. I still haven't even seen Scream 4 yet. I'm still on 4. 
I won't say who who did it, but oh, yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. Sydney didn't do it. it. Spoiler oh. alert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. All right. So as I spoil Scream 5 for Scott, my apologies. I'm so sorry again. I'm sorry to every Dewey fan out there. My condolences to you. So once again, despite my shame at this very moment, I do want to thank CJ and Scott for joining me per the usual, recapping all things WWE and the Scream franchise, apparently. Well, it was a pleasure um, recapping all things <laughs> WWE with you uh, like we normally do. But, it, you know, it, it went really off the rails here in these last few minutes. I, uh, I'm not happy about it. And I, uh, you know, I'm not too sure I'm coming back next week. You know, RIP Dewey. I'm not going to be able to watch WWE TV for a good month at least. So. <laughs> <laughs> this week I, was enough, huh? Oh uh, yeah, I, I'm. I will be back. I just don't know in what in what um year is all because CJ said he'll just... be back. In, he'll be back in a couple months, everyone. So he said a year, maybe. We oh broke him God. into 2023. <laughs> yeah. We'll see when Cody becomes champ. Is that is that the next time you'll be on the show? Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. Cody Rhodes will be the. He will be the world champion. That's that's what that's the last thing I'll say here is that I look forward to Cody Rhodes being a world champion. And when it happens, we'll have the Cody Roadster celebration right here on the wrap. CJ rocking the American Nightmare tattoo live on camera to display his love and fandom and appreciation for the American Nightmare. But in all seriousness, we would drag CJ back here at least once a month to suffer and endure the torture that is WWE programming for him. And he'll like it. He'll try to appreciate these times he has with us. Always will. It's just... um. It's not easy, is all I'm saying. And that is very true. It's not easy to be a WWE fan. And with that, we'll be back next week covering all things WWE. I think Scott will be here despite what I did to him today. So for Scott, for CJ, for myself, enjoy your week, everyone. And, then, and that's a wrap on all things WWE. Rest in peace, Dewey. <laughs>